0: Let me guess, you signed up for every free lead magnet and binged on every marketing YouTube video and thought, what am I missing? Why isn't my business exploding like that? Well, I can tell you, you're not alone. Whether you're just getting started or have an established business, entrepreneurship can be really lonely. But it doesn't have to be. Overcoming your fear of launching or building your personal brand or figuring out how to scale, it shouldn't be holding you back. It should be empowering you. On this podcast, we're gonna deep dive into the mechanics of what it takes to build your brand make your mark and stake your claim in the digital marketing space. I'll be chatting with people from all walks of life and stages in their careers. I will be getting inspiration from real experts who will share their actual strategies and techniques to grow loyal and raving followings and sell more stuff. This is entrepreneurship from people who are already there making it happen. My name is Jeff Mendelssohn. Join me and welcome to the One Big Tip Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. My name is Jeff Mendelson, and this is the One Big Tip podcast. And today I'm really pleased to be speaking with Nicky Fries. He is the CEO of a growth advisory firm called Nicky, uh, coincidentally, N I C Q I, where he helps ambitious digital companies build uh, growth strategies and acquire, retain, and monetize more customers. So, Nicky, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me here, Jeff. I'm pleased to be talking to your audience. Thank you so much. So can you please tell me a little bit about
0: your company, Nikki, and how you got here? You have an interesting story where you built a number of companies and you're still involved with them. And, you know, I'd like to hear a little bit more about that.
1: Sure. And and thank you for, for letting me do that. So my name is Nikki. I'm 26 years old. I started my first company when I was 16 years old, a small promotion brand. When I was 13 years old, I started partying a lot. I know I was quite young in comparison to to what most other people do when they are in the 13s. And that was really, you can say, how I got into building a promotion brand where I was basically promoting other people's parties. You can say when you are 16 years old, you just want to get attention from, I know, the cool boys and uh, of course uh, all the girls. And that was really the reason for why I started that company. But it also led me to a path towards focusing on marketing. And that's really what I've been doing uh, to this day today. Back in 2015, I was a part of starting a company called IdeaNode, which is an idea management software. We scaled it to being 20 employees and then I left the company to co-found another company. The other company is a patent renewal management software as well. So you can say I have my my knowledge and my experience from SaaS companies. And what I've done with the growth advisory firm that I have today is that I basically try to help other SaaS companies grow if it should be their acquisition strategy, retention, engagement strategy, or monetization. Just like you mentioned, Jeff, thank you.
0: So that's really interesting. What you're doing then is helping companies understand who their target customers are, how to gather those leads, how to get users to adopt their software. And you actually have a profile or a procedure for helping companies realize that. It's called the ladder of engagement. What's your one big tip? What is the ladder of engagement?
1: Thank you, Jeff. So yeah, one, one of the tips that I wanted to introduce today is because I so rarely see people actually thinking about product adoption for their users or for their customers this way. And it doesn't have to tie only to product marketing. It can be to any kind of service business as well. But what it basically goes into is that we want to kind of have our users go through a journey where we start with what we can call the adoption phase. Then we want them to build a habit. And then we want them to invest into the product. They don't want to leave it again. And what we try to do with the ladder of engagement is that we try to tap into some natural behavior at first. So imagine something like LinkedIn. You are used to building a CV. So when you have to apply to a company to to get a job, you are used to fill out a CV. And that's really what LinkedIn is trying to make you do at first. They want you to do something that you have been used to doing For quite a while. So that's the adoption phase. So you can think about your own business in this way. How can you, at the first step with you or engagement with your product, how can you make your users or your customers do something that they naturally are used to do and doesn't try to, you can say, adopt a new behavior yet. That's what we want to do in the second phase. So really, the ladder of engagement kind of makes the user go through a journey of natural steps to limit the amount of friction that we want our users to take when adopting or starting out with a new product or a new service, but also to kind of make them more invested because the more information they fill in, Let's say for a company like LinkedIn or Twitter or Facebook or Instagram, the more followers you have, the more content you have posted, the more of your profile you have filled out, the more likely you are to stay and not switch to an other tool where you have to do it all over again. This is also a concept that we know from gaming such as, I don't know, World of Warcraft, is CSGO, Counter-Strike, where you basically, you build something up and you don't want to leave again. So first we start with the adoption phase, you can call it, which is really about how can we make people set up their profiles in the most natural way. And then we go into the habit phase, which should really tie around, you can say, solving the problem that they basically signed up for. So let's say it's a company like LinkedIn again. So one of the problems that you may have before LinkedIn entered the scene is that, how do I keep track of all my connections? How do I have all their information in one place? and not just a lot of business cards in the office. And also how do I keep track with, you can say, the updates that they have in their life, people switching jobs, people looking for for new opportunities, people who want to buy something. That, that was basically added, you can say, later on. So the habit phase here is is really about how can we make people establish a habit around solving this particular problem? So for a company like LinkedIn here, What they want us to do is that they want us to add new connections. They want us to search for people, companies, and jobs. And they want us to posting and sharing content, visiting the feed, et cetera. What they try to make us do is that again, they try to make us fill out our CV. When we have filled out our CV, they can recommend people to connect with as well. And when we have connected with people that are working within the same areas as we are, then our feed will also be way more interesting. So they are basically, you can say, layering all these steps in in an order that's helping people to kind of take a journey throughout, throughout, you can say, the, the platform that they have that is optimal to them. So LinkedIn gets information from you. Let's say it's from you, Jeff. They get a lot of information from you. They know you are a podcaster. Then what they do is that they recommend you people who are working with podcasting, just to come up with an example. Then you connect with all these people. Your feed will suddenly be filled with other uh, podcast content that you believe is interesting because this is an area that you work with. So that is kind of like the habit phase because now you have an interesting feed and you keep coming back and you keep adding more people working in podcasting just to come up with an example. And then the last step here of the ladder of engagement. So adoption phase, habit phase, and then investment phase is that they want you to either getting recommendations or getting endorsements or creating or joining groups on LinkedIn. Because this is where you kind of invest so much into building something within LinkedIn that you probably can't take with you to another platform. So this is what they kind of do to kind of lock you in if it makes sense. Are you with me so far, Jeff?
0: Yeah, I am. You know, just thinking out loud, LinkedIn is really the only real platform that I know that does this. I know that there's like one or two in Europe. I think one is called Zing, X-I-N-G dot com, which which came out also a number of years ago, but it never really grabbed hold here in the U.S. I mean, LinkedIn is, you know, definitely the king of the hill here. How would you take this towards this ladder of engagement and apply it to a true startup? You know, someone that's starting in 2020, that they have this new idea. How do you get them to pivot Their idea where I'm going to make this new app that puts filters on photos, right? You know, it's like, (laughs) I know we're talking about Instagram, but you have all these Instagram copies that come out, right? So so there's Prisma, for example. Let's just take Prisma. Prisma is an app where you also take photos and it's got these filters that manipulates your photos into so that they look like works of fine art. They also have a feed, right? So they also have where people can go in, they can see your catalog, they can like it, they can comment it, they can share it. How would you apply this ladder of engagement to something newer, more 2020-oriented?
1: Yeah, thank you. So again, let's talk about the adoption phase first. So if you are starting a business, then think about what do your users need to provide you with in order for them to experience your value proposition. Value proposition is really the habit moment. Again, let's create an imaginary business here. So what do people have to have in place for them to use your product, basically? That is the adoption phase. And what you really have to do here is that you have to make it natural. So you have to align it with something they are used to do before. So let's come up with a new app here. So before I can even try the app, I have to send in a video where I'm drinking water. That is not something that I'm used to at all. So that is not a natural behavior for me. But if their whole value proposition is around that, then that should come later down the path if it makes sense that I should actually send in a video just to kind of get accepted. So what I'm talking about here is that we want the first steps, we want them to be as natural to the users as possible. So that could be something like providing email, providing your name, maybe filling in some information, but only if it's necessary for you to deliver the value proposition afterwards. A company like Reddit is actually doing a great job here. So the only thing they ask you before you can enter Reddit and create, uh, you can say your own threads or your comment on other people's posts, is that they only ask you for the email. You don't have to set up a password yet. You don't have to fill in your username or first name or anything of that uh, that sort. And the reason for why they're just capturing the email, of course, is that then they have a way to to tell you to, to come back again and to actually fill out your profile, but only asking for email at first. Then what they want you to do is that they want you to experience the core value propositions. So you probably joined Reddit because you were uh, maybe bored and you want to find something interested to talk about or to engage with. And then you go to Reddit and you see this, uh, all these different threads or forums on Reddit. And then you experience the core value propositions here, which is engaging with interesting content that are interesting to you. And then, of course, what they want to do in the investment phase here is that they want you to create your own threads or your own uh, building up your own profile, building up your own subreddits, such that, that you own something on the platform that you can't take with you afterwards. I don't know if it makes sense for for another case here.
0: Yeah, that definitely makes sense. I mean, you can apply this stickiness of an application to many different facets. I'll tell you, in my digital marketing agency, one of the things that we insist on is that we host the website, right? And there are a number of reasons for that. First of all, if somebody wants to host, you know, they're going to pay $10,000 for a website, but then want to host it on GoDaddy for $10 a month right? You know, there's a disparity there, right? The, the website's going to run slow. I'm not going to have uh, all of the tools available to me if I did on my own server. And the support of that website and of that server, just the time invested just shoots through the roof, right? Because every time I got to call up GoDaddy, for example, to, you know, to get some kind of support. So something that would have taken me 10 seconds on my server now takes me 45 minutes to an hour calling up their support. So what happens I get them to host their website on my servers. I do charge a premium for that, right? But at the same time, I also pre-package in a lot of extra services. You know, like all the backups. If your site gets hacked, I'm responsible for it, right? If I, if you want to uh, just add like some new text, like you want to add a press release, I handle that, right? And the reason why that's interesting is that it's it's sticky right? I mean, let's face it, it's a pain in the ass to move someone's website from one host to another and get everything working. You know, you can apply that stickiness to, you know, a lot of things, you know, you don't want to necessarily be proprietary, right? So like your LinkedIn, your your profile, it's not proprietary, it's your information, right? And now with the GDPR, you, you even have the ability to download it and, you know, remove it completely from their servers. But it sounds like what you're talking about here is if you can make the platform engaging enough and sticky enough so that you want to be there, not that you have to be there, that's the win. That's the win that you're looking for. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, that, that's that's definitely one part because what we see is that retention is really an output of engagement. So the more likely we are to engage our users, and that's the reason for why we talk about this letter of engagement is that Your users are more likely to become engaged over time if they follow a natural order of steps. So LinkedIn doesn't want you to create a group when you first start up. They want you to slowly experience the value of having your network on LinkedIn and posting content and viewing content and all of these things. And then first later on, they introduce groups to you. That makes a lot of sense, actually. Yeah, because that's a new thing. And that's also something that is You have to invest heavily in. What I'm basically trying to kind of give up as a a tip here is that look at the natural order of steps that you want your users to take, but only the steps that are necessary to experience the core value proposition. We don't need all the other steps necessarily. We just want them to experience the core value propositions because if they experience the core value proposition and it solved the problem or the reason for why they actually tried your product or started to use your product, and it solves it in a great way, then we just need the users to then build the habit around it. But if they experience it first, then we're talking about habit building rather than you can say activating them because then now they are already activated. Now we have to build in a habit. And when we have built that habit, then we can kind of move them into the investment phase where we kind of You can say package on new features to them, more advanced features or features that will make them invest heavily into building something within. That makes a lot of sense. All right. Yeah, because I think what happens is that, you
0: know, if you try to skip one of those steps, if you try to go from adoption and then push heavily in the investment, it's like, well, wait a second, you know, like you're skipping a couple of things here and you may miss out on some core parts of the experience, which will actually make your experience within that app more enjoyable or more useful. Exactly. Amazing advice. Thank you so much for that. Nikki. can you please let everyone know how they can learn more about your business and how they can reach out to you directly if they want to learn more?
1: Thank you so much, Jeff. You are more than welcome to connect with me on LinkedIn. And also please send me any questions that you may have about this or anything else related to growth. I'm happy to help. And also I have a podcast called Out of Growth where I interview leaders in growth. Basically, I hope to interview head of growth at Facebook and head of growth at Google at some point. So if you're listening in and you are one of those people or you have another cool business, then please reach out.
0: Amazing stuff. Nikki, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. This has been very interesting and I wish you the best of success moving forward.
1: The pleasure is mine. And likewise to you, Jeff. Thank you so much.